Welcome to the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show, mini-sode edition, OuterLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. Our feature guest today is Mr. Chris Rosini. I have to tell you something. I love that last name, Rosini. Sounds like a luxury Italian dish. Ma, what are we serving at the restaurant tonight? We got the Rosini. You got the Rosini. We got the Rosini. Everybody come to the restaurant. We got the Rosini. That's the first thing I think about. But Mr. Rosini is very sharp, a lot of great insight. And before we begin, I just want to tell you that this was a mentally taxing week for me because I just watched my country act so immorally and is doing so many things that it's barreling towards tyranny. Tyranny becomes just a dark, tyrannical state. No one cares. No one in the U.S. gives it down. Most of my citizens don't care anyway because you ask them. Hey, what do you think of your country? Oh, it is a, it is a democracy and it's freedom and it's a good moral country. Oh, sorry. That's not right. Why, thank you, Alex Trebek. I'm going to say I respectfully disagree with you, sir, my fellow American, and say that I think the U.S. is inverted to totalitarianism. I would also call it a plutocracy, which is a society that is ruled and controlled by a small number of people of great wealth. They don't have any ideology or political philosophy they just do whatever they do to fulfill themselves i think that's where we are and i'm saying this because if you're listening to in your from another country the u.s does have a lot of impact on the world stage right now but that'll probably change in the future and i think that the fight for liberty the fight for freedom is an individual fight that all of us carry and the more liberty and freedom that we can gain within ourselves the more we can transform and change our reality i feel a lot of people in the world I just trapped. Um, they're, 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 they're their own tyrant. They're their own suppressor of their own freedom. And I'm hoping that more people, you know, wake up and realize the true potential within themselves to change their external reality. And maybe all of us can have a much safer and better world. Let us begin our interview with Mr. Chris Rosini. Joining us now is Mr. Chris Rosini. He is the editor of the Ron Paul Liberty Report. To learn more about him by going to his website at ronpaullibertyreport.com. Rosini, it's a great honor to have you with us today. Thank you for being with us. Thanks for having me on, Ryan. appreciate it. Thank you. You know, Mr. Rosini, I have to say, you are mysterious, but I think it's awesome, this work that you do, because here you are, a prolific writer, and you're talking about liberty, you're talking about where we are headed as a country, and you're on the Ron Paul Liberty Report each day with the living legend talking about freedom and liberty. How did you get to that point? How did you get to the point where you are every day talking to Ron Paul and you know asking him great questions? Like it's an amazing accomplishment. Well, thank you. Um, I I don't know. I think uh, just a lot of perseverance. I one day decided uh, after about a good decade of just reading about liberty and and uh, the freedom philosophy, with no intentions of actually going in this field just trying other other jobs and stuff and nothing stuck. But there was just this pull, I guess, is, you know, the way to describe it, that I just had to do this. I had to, everything that I learned, I, I couldn't just keep it inside. So I decided that uh, I'm going to pursue and just become the best that I can at uh, speaking, you know, the words of liberty. And I started out real small. Um, I started actually just commenting on sites that I really liked and try to get noticed by, you know, uh, saying good things that would uh, be noticed. 
And um, I eventually uh, tried working for several people, and I, I got a job uh, doing Peter Schiff's newsletter, and I got to know those uh, the guys over there. And then I started with Robert Wenzel, who uh, runs Target Liberty and Economic Policy Journal. And while I was working for them, we interviewed Daniel McAdams, who is like right, Ron Paul's right-hand man. And that's how I learned, uh, met him. And uh, you know, one thing led to another, and now I'm working with Ron. That's some incredible accomplishment. And <laughs> one of the things I love reading about your articles, which I want to talk to you about a couple of them, is that you seem that you can get right to the point. You take the main ideas, you put them out there, and I think you're always challenging the person who's reading. And one of your most recent articles is about letting go of the political correct political correctness mold that was made for you. Can you please describe uh, the gist of that article and why so many people feel this fear that they shouldn't express themselves and why you think it's such a detriment? Well, to be an American, and most Americans don't realize this, but we live in a almost like a bubble, a propaganda bubble, and it starts right away from when you're young and it continues throughout schooling and the media and the movies and sports and it's it's almost like a Truman show it's not the same thing but it's it's kind of like a a bubble that's created to uh and it's to get you to support you know what the government and the authorities want you to support whether it's called the deep state whatever you want to call it the establishment it's a certain way of thinking and even if you don't agree with things, as long as you're okay with it, then you won't make a, a bother about it. That's all that really matters from their point of view. So, and that's what political correctness and all that stuff is to keep your mind in line with what the establishment, deep state government, whatever you want to call it, wants you to think. And that runs counter to how we're born. We're born to think freely. And that's, uh, you know, I try to, to, um, explain how that works versus what power wants you to, uh, the path that they want you to take. You know, I always, um, you know, it's how they yeah. keep on saying this hyper thing about, you know, people get offended all the time. You think when people say that they're, that they're offended, that they're trying to infringe upon your freedom of speech altogether? Because I, I see that a lot lately. Mm -hmm. Every time people have to be so careful these days not to upset people. And I'm wondering if maybe you're actually doing a good thing by making them upset, by causing them to think about certain things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that's uh, the 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 point of that is almost. I mean, we're all different. Everybody's going to be offended by so, you know what one person is offended by, another is not at all, and the third person could care less either way. So to but what they're trying to do is uh, define what offended means. You cannot say this because it means that you're offended. Well, what if it doesn't to someone? But that's you know. The point of what government is after and what people that lust for power are after is to mold everyone into a certain way of thinking. So because it's easier to control people that are or manipulate people that are thinking along the same lines. If you have a bunch of free thinking individuals that are, you know, free to create their own opinions and beliefs, that's very that's much harder to manipulate, control. But people that are into the power game, uh, it's kind of like the military. They break you down. They make you all look the same, shave your heads. Well, there's people that would love to do that with all of society. 
And, uh, you know, with us, on the other hand, who believe in freedom and liberty and making your own decisions and being able to go your own way in this world, uh, we have to speak out against that. Otherwise, uh, they'll win. <laughs> where do you think, if there's a battle between tyranny and liberty, where do you think it stands in the world and in the U.S.? And who do you, who's got the momentum right now? Oh, uh, I mean, you know, there's, there's different forms of tyranny. Obviously, when when you think of tyranny, you think of the Hitlers and the Maos and the Stalins. Obviously, we don't have that here, but we have a more subtle, like I said, with propaganda. Uh, you know, I I think Americans and maybe even myself, I don't even know. Uh, we we don't understand the rest of the world yet. We champion that America is the greatest in the world, and we're going to make everybody better and and uh, this is they're going to do it our way. Everybody else is backwards. You know, that's that's a different form of tyranny. It's a, you know, we have no basis to think these things or believe these things other than the fact that they've been repeated over and over throughout a lifetime. And it's virtually everywhere you look. So you almost can't help but think, oh, well, yeah, I guess we are the greatest in the world without, you know, thinking past that or, or even criticizing it. Do you think there's any particular reason why people aren't willing to challenge their beliefs or at least see the truth? Because I always hear this one piece of propaganda. I think a piece of propaganda they're always saying, oh, America, they're the indispensable people. And I'm looking at the people I'm like, well, a lot of them don't eat right. They're popping pills. They're taking drugs. They're killing each other. You know, they're just spending most of their time consuming, not producing. So I'm like wondering what makes people think that they're so indispensable. You think that these people, what makes them think that they're so valuable to the world? And um, I'm wondering if those lies that they tell themselves ultimately are preventing them from seeing the truth about themselves and preventing them from seeing the truth about the country. Yes. Uh, and that's, like I said, it starts very young. You're, you know, I even thought. Right from a young age, boy, I'm in the greatest place on, on earth. And it, I didn't know any better. It's not like I traveled the world to know. But, you know, it starts. And really, from the government's perspective, they're out, ours specifically, whether they say it explicitly or not, they want to control the world, period. And they want to do it militarily. I mean, it's obvious. We have a thousand military bases all over the world. And at constant war, I'm, I'm in my 40s, and it's been a life of war, one after another, different wars. And, and a government that has that kind of mentality has to have people that believe in it, that this is the right thing to do. So I guess the way to do that is to pump them full of beliefs that whether they're real or not, the fact that people believe it at least lets the military empire go on its merry way. And that's, you know, that's the way it is. And it's how it is with all of our wars now, even though uh, people, you know, there is more resistance now, but it doesn't seem to, it doesn't seem to matter. And even today, it's there's the anti-war is there's no movements or or marches or rallies or any of that. Everybody's just quiet and, and used to the fact that, yes, our military dominates the world. And to think outside of that, is to think outside of everything you've been taught to think and that your friends have been taught to think and your father's been taught to think. So there's a fear that's involved with that. Now, you're going to be too afraid to do it because, what, are you going to uh, uh, alienate yourself from everybody that you know? 
So fear keeps everybody in line. You know, and you and Dr. Paul often talk about the coming collapse or the potential that the U.S. is going to experience a monetary collapse. And I'm wondering if that is going to be a wake-up call, unprecedented size and scope for people, not only in America but across the world. But if you look at other nations, when they've had a situation where they had the state-sponsored lies that turned out to be completely false and the people were awakened to them, how did other nations handle that? And I'm curious what, how you think people in America are going to handle the fact that, no, you don't have an infinite credit card, and you can't continue to go on debt, and you have to produce things. No, you, you don't live in you know, freedom. You live in tyranny, or you live in a degree of res- major restrictive freedoms. How do you think people on the whole in America are going to handle that? Oh, boy, I wish I knew. It's, I mean, my gut tells me that it's not going to be too good because it's, you know, people, when people believe things, they, they sometimes will believe it to their own death. I mean, so that's how far belief can be taken. Um, when they find out that they've been living in a house of cards, there's going to be denials everywhere. There will be, uh, people who don't want to see the truth regardless. So that will be tough. But, you know, with empires, every single one, they all collapse. There, there is, there isn't one single empire that is still with us from the past. So there's no reason to think that the American empire is going to last. Uh, how, you know, what happens afterwards is tough and it's going to depend on the mental makeup of the people that are around. And, you know, right now it doesn't look so good. But, you know, what else can you do other than, you know, speak your mind and say what you think is right, regardless of what everybody else thinks, and just let the cards fall where they where they fall. And what would you say, if you were going to preserve three ideals that you want to continue carrying on from generation to generation about liberty or about life in general, what would you say with those three ideals that you hope humanity continues to carry on and live by? Okay, yeah, well... The number one that immediately pops into mind is the idea that no one has the right to use aggressive force or the threat of aggressive force against another individual. If I am not allowed to steal, the government should be not be allowed to steal. If we're not allowed to kill anybody, the government should be allowed to just go and kill somebody and be immune from it. Uh, you know, our our society has. You know, at the first, there were a lot of traces of that in, in the beginning of America, but today, that's, it's virtually gone. Once you put on that uniform, it's like you commit whatever crime you want virtually, and it's okay. Uh, so the principle of non-aggression, that force is reserved for self-defense or def- defense when there is an aggressor, and that's it. But once you open the door, well, here's an exception, here's an exception, that door will... It, it'll lead to what we have today. The exceptions are the rule. It's, it's every, everything's an exception. Uh, next is uh, private property. I think is a huge, uh, huge principle. The, the ability to control the, your earnings, what you own, and not have it up for grabs for whoever wants it if they have a bigger gun. So, non-aggression, private property, and Maybe someday a sound of money again is necessary. <laughs> right now, 
<laughs> money he that is not paper-backed and not attached to anything. So. Yes, we had a dishonest money system. It's You can't make it any worse than it is today. And, uh, but they're going to try to make it worse. But, but if we have money that has been money for thousands of years, let the marketplace decide what the money is. There's no force, no violence behind it. And I think people will do just fine. Back in 2008, when Dr. Paul was running for president, I know a lot of young people were excited about him. I was super, I've always been excited about Ron Paul. I thought he was incredible. And I'm mm-hmm. so surprised to see those same people that 2008 maybe were excited about him are kind of just going along with the state-sponsored, you know, NSA, let, let, you know, let them check all your emails, let them monitor all your calls, not care about wars. Are you disappointed that more people haven't, you know, been, developed the, the, the same passion for liberty? Do you think that liberty is on the waning front as far as youth from America goes? And are you hopeful about the future, especially when it comes to uh, younger Americans, that they will take up the cause of liberty as passionate as the ones that were in 2008 appeared to do so? Yes. Well, from 2008, 2012, there's still a lot of people that still follow Ron Paul. I mean, we have a big audience. We have, it's not Fox News size, but for for what we're doing and what Ron Paul is saying, it's a big audience. And so long-term, I'm optimistic because I don't think liberty will lose. Short-term, I'm pessimistic because there's a lot of, a lot of hurdles to cross before we get to that point. Uh, a lot of minds that have to be changed. But it, it only takes a small group of people that have that burning within them. Like our, you know, the founders of America, they were a small group of, of bandits against their empire. So, and, and look what they did overall net positive. So I am optimistic for the future. I was just saying, I wonder if the founding fathers would have been able to succeed if the people in the time had been so distracted. Because every time a person gets a tweet or a Facebook thing, I'm wondering if it sets them off and triggers them and they're too distracted. They don't have time to think. I wonder if, Back years ago, we didn't have a million channels to watch. You had, you were forced to have personal reflection time. It's either that, or you throw rocks at a tree or something. Yeah, uh, it's a double-edged sword because, on the one hand, even before the internet, the government had, and it still has, virtually a monopoly of the mainstream media, the newspapers, the, all the way down to the local. It's all just one big octopus that they controlled. Um, today, we're able to communicate with people all over the place instantly. But at the same time, there's downsides to that, and the government wants to get as much of that as it can. And we see that now with Facebook and Google and Twitter. They're now starting to, with their censorship, now that they have the masses on board on their services, now they're going to start tightening the screws. But that it's almost like it'll just create another black market that'll crop up, crop up that, uh, you know, as long as we have the ability to get the news out and the word out and, and the ideas out, you know, the, the books that people should read, the articles, I, I think on that we're, we're uh, in, a, in a good situation versus being closed off and having ABC, NBC, CBS that is just, you know, it's basically what, what, what does the government want you to know today. And it's, so I, I'm optimistic. 
It's awesome. Glad you're optimistic. And one of our dear friends of the show, Gerald Salente, I know in a recent yeah. interview, I think he was talking about the morality of people. I think I was asking him, too. I go, what do you think of the morality of people in America? He wasn't really hopeful. He thinks that people, I guess, a nation's success depended on how moral they are. Do you think that yes. majority of American people are immoral? And I'll put it in the context as this, that they don't seem to be protesting these wars that are going on. They don't seem to be protesting the fact that there's a certain number of their citizens get locked up on a regular basis without trial. You've got the NDAA. You've got the, the taxation, the theft. I mean, there's so many other things that are out there that I feel that are worthy and deserving of a march or a protest, but none of those things seem to be really happening. And the fact that when people are silent, I feel like they're complicit. So do you think yeah. that Americans, for the most part, are moral or immoral? And do you feel that they are deserving of the current conditions for which they are living under? Uh. I'm going to I'm going to say that yes, there are enough Americans that are moral. I mean, just when I live my daily life and I go to all the places that I go, I think the average American is a good person. I, I'm not I'm not worried for my life or worried, you know. And, and I know there are places where it should be, but I think that those are small compared to the rest of of the country. So in general, yes. As far as the wars go. The wars are all are out of sight, out of mind. So for the average person, it's something that just happens not here, and it's so big that what are you going to do about it? And so I think that's the sense that I get from people that it's you know if if the wars were happening here, people would flip in a heartbeat when when they actually see what war is and how disgusting it is, and it's virtually the worst thing that man can do. But because it's out of sight, out of mind, it's and there's plenty of entertainment and things to do here, and people are content enough that it's they're able to just block that out of their minds. Now, if God forbid we ever had to fight a war here, I, I don't know how the Americans. It would be such a shock to everyone that who knows how people would react. And we, you know, the goal is to stop wars. But as far as morality. Um, definitely, when you look at television, movies, uh, for sure, the it's it's been uh, debauched. Or I hope that's, I said that correctly. Uh, went has gone downhill. I remember when I was a kid. You know, things have changed and have gone downhill. But these are controlled mediums. There's reason for all this stuff. Uh, and, and again, a immoral people are easily or easier to, you know, manipulate and control. People that have a good sense of right and wrong, they'll stand up and won't do the wrong things. But it's when you debase people, now you can rally them much easier. The final question I have for you, Chris, is mm -hmm. the fact that you are passionate about liberty, the fact that you and Dr. Paul and Daniel McAdams, who I commend all three of you and everyone else who works with you for, for doing the work that you do, because you are putting out messages of liberty and helping people to take control of their lives by understanding what freedom is, but, I mean, compared to the forces that are out there, I mean, you guys are in this small, small minority. What drives you, and do you think that liberty has a chance against a population that seems to be completely, again, not 
realizing that they're living in tyranny, and not just the U.S., but the world at all. So what drives you, and do you think that liberty has a chance to ultimately succeed? Yes, absolutely. Whether, you know, do I think it'll be lifetimes from now? Yes. I don't know if I'll live to see it, but hopefully I can live to see uh, some good, almost like a uh, grass that's sprouting. Maybe if you could see the beginning of it, that would be great. But overall, yeah, because it's, you know, the truth can't be beaten. And I believe that liberty is a part of our makeup, you know. Uh, I personally believe in a creator, and part of our makeup is that we're free to think, choose, create our own lives. So with that being the case, I don't think that that could be defeated. Now, can life be made miserable for people? Absolutely. Can it be made really miserable and keep going downward? Yes. But the only thing that can turn that around is the thoughts that people think. And they have to think outside of what they're basically taught to think. And uh, that's the purpose that we have. Uh, and it doesn't matter if the idea is good, which I believe that our idea is good, or if the idea is faulty or erroneous. If you look at, uh, like, Mao, for example, he started with nothing and turned it into the biggest, you know, communist state in the world. Now, bad idea, but the fact that he, yeah, Terrible idea, but the the fact that he took an idea and made it so great against all odds shows him that it could go either way. It could either be good or bad, but the principle of how it happens is the same. So whether our crowds are small now, I, I don't think it really matters, as long as it's kept alive, as long as it's not extinguished. Because if it's extinguished, then, then you have a bigger problem, but I don't think we're anywhere near something like that. Well spoken. Mr. Chris Rosini, he's the editor of the Ron Paul Liberty Report. You can learn more about him by going to the website at ronpaullibertyreport.com. And I just want to point out that Mr. Rosini and Mr. Daniel McAdams were responsible for allowing Ron Paul to appear on our show. So uh, thank you again for our interview and mm -hmm. for having him on. For allowing him. Come on, Mr. Rosini, thank you so much. Thanks very much, Ryan. My little brother's friends have been camped out at our place for two days straight. Three. It's because of the Xfinity 10G network. Internet that can handle a house full of screens at once, with like basically no interruptions. And it's only getting faster. When I was their age, internet like this was a pipe dream. You sound like my grandpa. Please go home. Introducing the next generation 10G network, only from Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas.